Welcome back to Anti-Miler. One movie has haunted us beyond any other here at DoomRocket.com, and today, we finally put it in a pine box and bury it. That's right, we sat through Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, one more time in an effort to find some closure. But first, Suicide Squad is exploding into theaters this week, and early reviews are not looking pretty. So join us as we take DC Films straight into space and nuke Batman v Superman. Oh my gosh, does that suck? <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. You're listening to Anti-Monitor from DoomRocket.com. I'm surrounded by assholes. I'm not even going to dignify myself with a response to that. That's right, it's Anti-Monitor time again. My name's Matt, Birdman Fleming, and across the table from me, as always, is Jared Jones, editor-in-chief of DoomRocket.com, and our own Man of Squeal. Man of Squeal. That's right. That's me. That's like a Man of Steel, except more like a... I do, I, you know, I'm strong, though. You're strong. My feet are strong. You're strong. Your stomach is strong. You sat through the movie that we just sat through. Yeah, I did. Twice. God, that's enough. That's going to be it for that movie. Um, of course, you know, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, we're talking DC films today. Yeah. Uh, but this is a big week for DC films, isn't it? It is. It? Yeah. Uh, we, we spoke recently, a couple weeks ago, about the potential... That Suicide Squad has for the DC film universe, which yes. is not having a good year. No. Um, really, the best thing that's come out of uh, DC films this year is the Comic uh, Con SDCC uh, trailer releases for the Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're just this league trailer. I feel like we just live in a state of perpetual anticipation anymore, and that the actual products that we're anticipating are just. No damn good. It's taking some work, but I finally have them. The worst of the worst. Yeah, that. It seems to me that uh, whoever is in charge of the DC film universe right now has a guy who's really good at making trailers. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Trailers look good. They always look good, except for Donna Justice. They were traditionally awful, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, Suicide Squad, though. Hmm. Uh, Consensus is in already, huh? Already. Uh, it is uh, – when you're listening to this, folks, it will be Friday. Suicide Squad will have been dropped for mass consumption um, as of today, which is Tuesday. The Rotten Tomatoes consensus is in. And, Bertie, would you like to hear the numbers? Uh, well, I guess if I have to. Well, Suicide Squad, which is the last DC Films movie for this year until next year when Wonder Woman comes out, is sitting – at a whopping 35%. 35% splat. Jeez. Yeah. The critics' consensus is Suicide Squad boasts a talented cast and a little more humor. A little more humor, excuse me, than previous DCEU efforts, but they aren't enough to save the disappointing end result from a muddled plot, thinly written characters, and choppy directing. Here's to honor among thieves. We almost pulled it off. Uh, so the worst fears are, are in place. I'll be writing my review on Thursday, and uh, it'll be posted for 
uh, your scrutiny on Friday, dear listeners. But uh, yeah, it's not looking good. But the thing about that is, is that I'm not inherently shocked at that. Suicide Squad was either going to be a, a knockout or a flop. There was no middle ground for this, yeah, especially was- yeah, with this premise. You were either going to knock it out or fuck it up. And it looks like they fucked it up. I'm not shocked. But what's really kind of tanning my hide today? Hmm. Did you hear what happened this afternoon? This Tuesday afternoon? What happened this afternoon? Bertie, I read on the internet. Which no. I, I don't even know why I go on there anymore. <laughs> but I think I think for Christmas I'm going to trade in your Chromebook for a word processor. Man, that'd be Keep something. Keep you off the internet. Could you? Could you do that for me? Um DC diehards, and oh, before I even get into that, I'm a DC fucking diehard, okay? I just choose not to be spoon-fed garbage, okay? Maybe I'm old enough to discern what garbage looks and smells like, and kids just aren't because they've been fed McDonald's their entire life. But there's a difference between people who love DC Comics and people who like the idea of DC Comics. And for right now, it seems to me that this very vocal minority who – Dane to tell us that they love DC Comics is now petitioning on change.org. Change.org, not the- change.com or change.xxx. Change.org. You, so you mean to tell me. Oh, uh, I'm not done. Okay. Change.org to put an end to shut down Rotten Tomatoes. And by the way, um, the title of the uh, uh, this petition. petition, hesitate to even call it that, shut down is one word. So shut down Rotten Tomatoes, the shutdown of Rotten Tomatoes. It, it, anyway, it was. A this post- is a petition that's straight up going to Obama. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, if it reaches enough, I guess it goes straight to the White House, and the White House has to actually fucking talk about it during the press conference. Anyway, that's where we're at right now. Right now, it's sitting at uh, 923 supporters, which, and I've read some of the comments, which I don't even know why I do that anymore, but. Rotten Tomatoes is not the enemy here. People who are disagreeing with critics, I've gotten used to that. I don't give a shit what people think about critics. Critics serve a fundamental purpose. And more often, people who read criticism are people in the business. And that's true of comics, it's true of video games, it's true of practically every field. Joe and Mar- uh, excuse me, John and Martha America don't read critics because they don't want to be affected by how they think. So if you don't care what critics have to say about your superhero movies, stop listening to what critics have to say about your superhero movies. They're not here to ruin your fun. In fact, they're here to discern film. That's their job. And if they didn't like the movie, there's probably a good reason for it. Not a DC bias, not a Marvel bias. I'm not saying there's not payola in the comic book industry, and I'm not saying there's not payola in the film industry, especially when it comes to critics, but... I guarantee you the consensus isn't fundamentally shitty and all over <laughs> Suicide Squad because DC Comics has all this cash to throw around. Hey, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, see? No, that would actually be the opposite. Yeah, uh, Marvel. Yeah, that would, it would be – if they were paying people, it would have a 95% score on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and, and fanboys would be, uh, you know, patting themselves on the dick. You know what's really funny to me is that like – who packs their lunches, these kids? What are they drinking? Because when they go into this movie, they enjoy movies like Man of Steel and Donna Justice. And these are not good movies. They're not even okay movies. 
they just are movies. Technically. Technically movies. Like, whenever you and I see a bad movie, what's usually the first thing that we say when we walk out of it? Well, that certainly was. A movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every single time. That's, that definitely exists now. Yep. It'll be on somebody's shelf uh-huh. eventually. And Suicide Squad will be on somebody's shelf eventually. I may end up loving Suicide Squad. I don't always agree with the status quo or the, uh, the, the majority consensus. But my spidey sense usually tingles when I see a trailer or I read production uh, reports or I look at you know, screenshots of uh, uh, you know, pilfered set photos you know, from like Just Jared and things like that. So it's like – Wait, is that not your website? It's not my website. It doesn't even spell my name right. Suicide Squad looked iffy from the word go. It doesn't have any real great, uh, you know, tragedy surrounding it or uh, any kind of controversy surrounding it. It's just a, another superhero movie that's coming out at the tail end of summer. And I told you two weeks ago that Suicide Squad coming out in August was a bad omen. I told yo ass, and here we are. I don't think I don't think it's the uh, I don't think that's the case at all. Mm. Um, I think that. It really is a case of uh, there not being much going on in August. They're putting it out at the beginning of the end of the summer where the biggest thing they have to worry about is people in the second week of the Jason Bourne movie. Mm-hmm. and Which also, from what I hear, is not great. Well, well tickle my butthole and call <laughs> me Shirley. That's a surprise. Yeah. You're telling me that the fifth Bourne movie... Isn't any good? You're telling me that a a DC movie with uh, eight characters that nobody's ever heard of, <laughs> and you, the third iteration of a film Joker, but this one covered in dumb tattoos mm-hmm. and driving around a neon car. Tell me that's no good. Yeah, but they could have released that on May the fourth and called it a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't, and it wouldn't affect uh, no. the quality of whether it's good or not. Mm. And that's the thing. What you said about critics and about criticism, I, I always bring this up when people complain about film critics, mm-hmm. and they complain, and, and then you know they get their underwear in a bunch. Mm-hmm. The point of criticism is to keep the producers of this medium honest and to uh, ensure that their garbage mm-hmm. isn't rewarded with hard-earned money. You know, there's a paradox here. Because for the longest time, the people like these kids would complain that people weren't taking superheroes seriously. Like back in the 90s, primary gripe. They're not, just not taking the source material seriously enough. And now they're taking it so seriously that there's no room for any kind of fun. And what's more is that now that they're no longer any damn fun... Critics who are trained to objectively look at a film, engage in action summer movie based on how fun it is, says to the world, this movie isn't fun. We've officially hit the Ouroboros. We've come full circle. We're in this infinity loop that just will not end. Because you know what happens at the other end of that loop? The movies start getting really bad again. And I think that's where we're headed. I mean, I'm not saying that just because Civil War didn't beat Winter Soldier out for being amazing is a sign of the times that there's a deterioration. Um, But DC Films needs to clean house, and they're actively doing it. I think Suicide Squad was just the last leg of that sacrificial lamb. I'm really worried about this 
this movie. I'm not going to... I'm going to try to be as fair as I can when I watch it. It's going to be really tough, especially after the experience we had today. But for now, if you're going to see Suicide Squad, see it. Don't worry what the critics have to say, but don't you dare try to pull some shiesty bullshit like taking down a resource like Rotten Tomatoes from the internet. Yeah, that's just goofy mm. and pointless. Yeah. Get those nerds! 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 So, uh, a couple months ago, yes. you and I talked about what we were going to do today, and it took some convincing. Yeah. It took a lot of convincing. Mm-hmm. I had to uh, pretty actively compel you into the realization that this is the uh, culmination. The culmination of our first year of Anti-Monitor. Yeah. You, I know you're not usually a glutton for self-punishment. I don't like to watch movies I don't like. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. Uh, usually the once will do. It took a long time. Uh, it took a long time to get here, and then it took a long time to sit through. It's been a while. It's been a while. Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Dawn of Grustus. Stay down! If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Grustus. Grustus. The dawn of so many bad things. Oh, I wish we'd actually compiled a list of all the little dawn of whatever's, dawn of fill in the blanks. It was, there were a lot of them. It was more in that saga was more entertaining than this movie. We. Oh my god! You know what's really funny is I was talking to a, a, a fellow blogger the other day. And they said, well, usually we have to cover, you know, controversy in the industry. We have to report on something negative. And I'm like, yeah, why do you think that is? And he said, well, because of the hits. And I go, yeah, you're right. People don't give a shit when things are happy. They only click on your shit when things are south or they disagree with you or they or you're saying something negative. They want to catch you with your pants in so they can call you on it. That's the only time. And when we were reporting and trashing Donna Justice months before it came out just because the writing was on the fucking wall, I, the traffic on our site was absurd. And I'm, I'm glad that we don't do it anymore. I'm surprised we're doing it right now. Um, but yeah, you're right. You did take a lot of convincing on my part, primarily because I'm just tired of beating this horse to death. It exhausts me emotionally inside. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Watching it again just now, it's like I have to watch Superman die again. Even that Superman, it's like I can't, but I did. And so when I think about that conversation I had, I, I think to myself, how am I going to treat Suicide Squad now? Am I going to be fair? Am I going to be honest? Or am I going to let my hyperbole get the better of me? I'll tell you what. Hyperbole aside, this is just a bad movie. Yeah. It's not It's it's not good Mm-mm. all by itself. It's uh, a poor representation of Superman. And I decided today that not only is this not a Superman movie, I think that Zack Snyder has just been uh, uh, messing with the brass at WB, or at WB, yeah, Warner Brothers, for the last few years. I mean, look, you know, I I made the movie for, I'm a comic book guy, and I made the really, I made the movie based as much as I could on that aesthetic. And so, um, I, I, 
I don't know how else to do it 100%, so it is what it is. I think that he went in originally, before Man of Steel, I think he went into the studio and said, hey guys, I really want to make a Batman movie. And they're like, well, no, no, slow down, slow down. We got this guy over here, Chris Nolan, he's sitting on this pile of money that he didn't set on fire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he is looking to get somebody to, you know, we're getting off the Batman thing, you know, Batman's retired now. We, we want to go to Superman. And he's just like, well, shit. Yeah. I you guess can I can do that. Yeah, it, 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 that scenario is completely plausible because when you watch a movie like Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, or Man of Steel even, you could, just, you could just tell he does not like Superman at all. He doesn't grasp the character. He doesn't treat him with any sort of like respect. And come Dawn of Justice time, Superman's the biggest ding-dong dingus there is in the entire DC universe. <laughs> He's and that's, a dummy. And that's the thing. Ostensibly, this, is, this purports to be a sequel to Man of Steel, mm -hmm. but it's not. It, it is. It's technically a sequel to Man of Steel. I, is, I get kind of what you're saying is that like uh, to connect the two entities, to connect the two films, it's frayed at best, right? And Donna Justice, uh, it carries over from – it picks up directly during the big skirmish that everyone hated in Man of Steel – um, and that's the inciting incident that leads us down this dark rabbit hole uh, that is Donna Justice. And, but beyond that, it, do it does quickly become a Batman movie. Um, not a particularly good Batman movie, but it is some of the stronger parts in the movie. Yeah, I, I, but, but before we get into all of that, mm -hmm. I want to talk about the expectations because you can't ignore them. It, it, anticipation and expectation are two inherently different things. And um, – in my eyes, Donna Justice, if it had to exist, should have existed within a couple of paradigms. If DC Films was actually serious about getting people on board and pumped about their new cinematic universe, there were several things that did not need to happen in Donna Justice. You want to hear them? Sure. One of them, you don't kill off Superman. You do everything in your power to address the issues of Man of Steel and make them more palatable to the audience. To make them, one, respect the character because he's the leader of the friggin' Justice League. Uh, respect the character because those mythos are what you spun this universe out from, regardless of whether or not Man of Steel is an objectively good film, which I think we've agreed before it's not. But if that's the road you want to pave, you've got to fix it proactively. You can't fix it retroactively. And they created more problems instead of making it better. Another um, expectation I would, have, I would have assumed of this movie is that if you must put Wonder Woman in it, you have to give her a role. She's not a plot device. I've known a few women like you. No, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. She's a character. More importantly, she's an icon. And when you put her on there just to pop, weave in and out, flirt with Batman, and then check her email, and then show up, fight a monster, and then I guess her and Batman are friends now, that's, that's not a character. She's just there. Another expectation uh, I, that I would have for this movie is that if you must have Batman be kind of the central character of this film, you got to have him understand what Superman is other than an enemy. 
Because Bruce Wayne is a lot of things, but he is not a murderer. He does not make broad assumptions. And he certainly doesn't wake up every morning hungover, ready to go rock and roll again every night. No, that was actually uh, Ben Affleck doing some uh, method acting. Yeah, method. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with why, uh, you know, why Batman goes to underground fight clubs to gamble. It's he because... was undercover, actually. He, was, uh, he wasn't there to hang out. Yeah, but where do you think, uh, you know, Chris Terrio got the idea? You know, Ben Affleck's like, Chris, you mean, you Chris, mean Chris, Chris, you're never going to fucking believe this. I found a fight club. Write it in. I don't, I don't care how you do it. Write it in. It was amazing. And then Terrio's just like, dude, have you slept? No, no, not at all. And I lost all my money, and my wife is leaving me. But seriously, it was a real fight club. Yeah, Ben Affleck was going through some shit when they were making this movie for sure. And you could tell that he's just like, oh, let's just get this thing over with. He looks exhausted half the time. That's because he was spending most of his nights at the MGM Grand Casino in Detroit, mm -hmm. just surrounded by sad old people. Can while we he... get a verification on that? Because I know that Cavill was like hobbing around a bar to bar. We, I had a friend whose sister bumped into him in a bar, like a, I think it was in Hamtramck. Mm. And uh, of course, he was letting the girls flirt with him because he likes his girls and he loves to get drunk. Henry Cavill, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, you know, Ben Affleck, is a very similar type of person, except it's more like he likes to uh, get drunk by himself. Again, gamble. He is a notorious gambler. Yeah. He's like the MJ of Hollywood gamblers. <laughs> not Molly J, not you said. Michael Jordan. Yeah, he I got it. loves to gamble. Uh, there's got to be someone in Detroit who can confirm, like, yeah, I just randomly went to the casino one night. And he was clickety-clack. Ben Affleck just sitting there falling asleep. <laughs> you know that song there's a tear in my beer yeah that was him during the filming of this movie and you know i think he took out a lot of that aggression in these fight scenes he did he, he was a beast busts arms yeah and rips smashes heads well, you know that that's stunt work and special effects but i get what you're saying like that cross training sequence that rocky-esque like getting ready to kill the Batman sequence. Well, I'm sure Ben Affleck. You saw the shape he was in. I'm sure he was, that he did some of his own stunts. He, maybe, um, maybe I can't tell because most everything is uh, in, contains at least one CG shot. At least one. Every single frame of this thing is just got the either it's a filter that was added in post or uh, a, a spark here or a window looking out into something there. Um, so to discern whether or not how much of Batman's, or excuse me, Ben Affleck's performance was genuine beyond him grumbling at Alfred uh, and regurgitating lines from The Dark Knight Returns, I, I couldn't tell you. But having discussed certain expectations, because I can go on that tangent for the rest of the day, um, we are now faced with the reality. You and I sat through this thing. We could have watched the Ultimate Edition. We weren't going to pay $25 to watch it. No. That's a little thing that you might not know about us at Anti-Monitor. We pay for our films. We do not we do not torrent. So the idea of spending 25 bucks on the Ultimate Edition, regardless of owning it forever, would have been pointless because we would have watched it the once and then deleted it from our computers. Like, totally pointless. So we watched the theatrical cut. And I have done plenty of reading on the uh, Ultimate Edition um, from people I respect, from people I know. And 
I can honestly tell you that the experience would have been the same. Oh, the big difference is that we would be getting at what we're doing right now about 45 minutes later. From now, yeah. One of my biggest gripes about Donna Justice aesthetically, because I can go on (laughs) textually and subtextually forever, is just how this thing is structured. There are no establishing shots, rarely ever, if at all. I mean, these things, it's just like a a mosaic of sequences just shoved against each other. It's a montage. Like, um, like the pacing of this thing is awful. Like, there's that scene with Luthor and the senator in the basketball court. Oh, ahoy, ahoy. I did not know you were here. And he's all like, I want to see that. I want to see the crash ship. And he's like, okay. Yeah, no problem. I'm and then they intercut it. And then they intercut it with a scene at the Daily Planet that has no bearing on the scene that we're currently watching whatsoever. And then it cuts back to Luthor. Um... Breaking out, he broke out the jar of Jolly Ranchers, and then it cuts back to a different scene now, which now I guess we're in the future because Luther is now inside the ship, um, and he's now having uh, his uh, secretary Mercy wheel in the body of General Zod, I guess. And then they cut back to the basketball court where he jams a Jolly Rancher rather sensually into the mouth of this guy, the senator dude, and then that's the end of the sequence. So. The sequence begins in the present time, and then it cuts over to the Daily Planet. Cuts back to present time, then cuts to the future. Back to present, back to the future, back to the present. God, what a bad movie that would be, Back to the Present. <laughs> back to the Present, yeah. it was. That's, and that's just two minutes. That's just two minutes of the movie. All of it is like that. It's very jarring. It is. It's like Chris, Zack Snyder wanted the ending of The Dark Knight in every five minutes of this movie. <laughs> I honestly believe if he could shoot the entire movie to look like the opening sequence of this film where we watch the Waynes die for the thousandth time, he would do it. Mm-hmm. Everything would be in slow motion. We'd be listening to this like Wagner in the, like, in the music, just like oppressive apocalyptic choir screaming at us like as the Cthulhu, the great sleeping one, comes out from the horizon and we all fucking die from despair. Like, if he would make a movie like that, he would. And that's where he was aiming. Wasn't that Watchmen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, we have a copy of Watchmen on Blu-ray, by the way, Bertie, and you know we're going to be doing an episode on that eventually. Maybe when Snyder does the Fountainhead. We'll, oh, we'll God. Revisit. Well, you know. Um, so... Uh, insofar as like tone, it is consistent, consistently grim, consistently dark, consistently di- uh, disorienting. Uh, yeah, consistently uh, stomach churning. There's no sense of place in this movie. I don't feel like I'm anywhere in this movie. I just know that I went to places. I, yeah, I know that I'm in Metropolis, and I, I think that I'm in Gotham a couple times, and then. I know that I'm in space. I guarantee I that we're in space at one point. I can't tell the difference between Metropolis and Gotham other than I know that I've driven past certain points at Detroit where they shot. And I just know what Detroit looks like at yeah. night. And, okay, oh, I guess Detroit's Gotham. And then daytime is what? CGI city? What yeah. is What is it? Because did, if they sh- – it doesn't look like Detroit proper in the daytime for Metropolis. It doesn't because I was looking – Geographically, because folks at home, us kids are from from Michigan. We're Michigan boys, southeastern Michigan boys, and we have a, a, a good awareness. I've been to Detroit a bunch, at least once. I've I've <laughs> I've been to De- I've been to Detroit. Where are you from? 
Detroit. No, Royal. but really. <laughs> Royal Oak. Royal Oak. No, we, uh, you know, one of my biggest pastimes living in Southeast Michigan growing up at Ypsilanti was um, once we all got our driver's license, we would drive down Michigan Avenue mm-hmm. until you get to where Michigan Ave ends in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And we turn the car around and we drive all the way back. Yeah. The express purpose being to look at prostitutes. <laughs> to just be like, oh, look, there's some prostitutes. That's what you did in your spare time? Point is, is I've been to Detroit a ton of times. <laughs> the only thing that's really recognizable about Detroit in here is the abandoned uh, train station. Yeah. That they uh, proceeded to fictionally destroy, basically, yeah. with their sensual fight. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about all the other Superman and Batman movies that have ever existed and how we know what each film knew how each film depicted Gotham and Metropolis. Superman Returns. I know exactly how Metropolis looked in that movie. Yep. Uh, I know how Metropolis looked in Superman the movie because it was fucking New York. Yeah. And that's it. That was it. <laughs> um, I know how Gotham looked in Tim Burton's Batman and it was stupendous. I know how Gotham looked in Batman Returns and it was hideous and forever it was hideous and Robin it was hideous. Um, Man of Steel, I don't know what Metropolis looks like because it's getting destroyed left and right, and there are no establishing shots that you can look at where you're like, oh, there's Metropolis. And Donna Justice, you just know you're in the Daily Planet because Lawrence Fishburne is screaming at somebody. Yeah, because Lawrence Fishburne is somehow not firing Clark Kent. Yeah, we can get into the Clark Kent thing in a minute, and I I really want to because I I really want to – I have some serious concerns. I got some beefs with how they depict Superman and Clark Kent and Lois Lane. I can go on forever. But what you're saying about Metropolis is it doesn't feel like a real lived-in world. Mm -hmm. Uh, The most real that Metropolis ever felt in this movie was when – was the beginning uh, car commercial that Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck did. Where he drove to the Wayne Enterprises building that was falling during the Zod Superman fight. I hear you. Yeah. Rescued old – Old yeah. no legs. Yeah. Uh, Scoop McNary. That's right. Who, who's in that show, Halt and Catch Fire? And I really enjoy it. It's a good show. He's a, he's a stalwart of the, uh, you know, he was in Argo. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, Gone Girl. With Ben Affleck. Yeah. They had a scene together, Ethan. They must be drinking buddies. They must be. But um, with Metropolis just being nothing and Gotham just being nothing, I guess the movie can get away with them being just across the bay from each other, which is ludicrous in its own right. Um, I have to check my pre-crisis history, but I'm pretty sure that might have been the case at some point in, in the actual DC universe. But it ain't now, and it hasn't been for decades, and I don't know why they chose to do it. Just for the simplicity of it all, I suppose, because I can't put all the blame on Chris Terrio here. He came in to do cleanup work. It's David Goyer's fault. This is the man who said famously – that if you're making a Batman versus Superman movie, you have officially run out of ideas. And now here he is. The Emperor has no clothes. The man is writing this fucking movie. Ben Affleck comes in, takes one look at it, and says, I got this guy, Terrio, who can help us out a little. And I guess that's where all the God talk must have come from. Well, no, you can you can tell. You can tell uh, the bits that Terrio had his hand on, like the beginning, the mm-hmm. uh, opening monologue uh, versus Goyer. Where Goyer uh, was very clearly writing, she with you? I thought she was with you. 
bad jokes and things like that. I, I don't think they spent much time together working on the story because there's moments just like that that don't make any sense. It's like Ben Affleck's like, I thought she was with you. Why would she be with him? You've been talking to her. You found out who she was. You, you just emailed, emailed her. her. 15 minutes ago, you just did this. You know who she is. She's with you, Batman. You're the world's greatest detective. No. You can't detect. When... No. <laughs> you, know who, you know who my favorite is in this movie, actually? Alfred. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, uh, what's his name? Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, yeah. Sir Jeremy Irons. Sir Jeremy Irons. Um, Jeremy Irons, when I first heard of his casting, I was like, that's a little on the nose. But whatever. At least it's not Bill Nye or something, I guess, which, which would have been more on the nose, I suppose. <laughs> but, or, uh, or, I mean, if they had just gotten Michael Caine back. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the Alfred. That's not the most proactive Alfred, but that's an Alfred. Jeremy Irons is actually the closest to a, the comic book Alfred as ever seen on screen. Like, mm -hmm. I'm very happy with, with him being in the world. I'm very happy with him being in the next Batman movie. I'm pumped about that. If I had to treat Donna Justice like a trailer, which I guess I have to, because contextually it just makes me want to throw my head through a window. Um, having J Dog as Mr. Alfred Pennyworth, I'm happy with that. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he he was a voice of reason, mm -hmm. and he was getting shit done. Yeah, uh, while Batman was out partying and drinking wine, and I'm getting slow in my old age, Alfred. Even you got too old to die young, not for lack of trying. It's seriously The Dark Knight Returns smushed together with the death of Superman, which we will do the second part of that later. Dark Knight Returns being the seminal works from uh, Frank Miller back in the 80s. Right. Uh, if they just wanted to make a Dark Knight Returns movie, they should have just did it. They're obviously not sincere about making a DC cinematic universe. So why even pretend? Why don't you just make The Dark Knight Returns the movie? People would lose their shit over that. Just like they lost their shit when they found out there was going to be a Killing Joke movie. And we all know how that worked out. <laughs> um, you can read that review on DoomMarket.com, kids. Or you can listen to uh, our sister podcast, Casual Wednesdays, and hear you eviscerate that movie. We talked about that last week. That's right. If, it, if the movie had come out, as The Dark Knight Returns, I think it would have gone over a lot more ably with critics, with audiences. You could have had your R rating. You could have had it any way you liked it. You demented fucks. Um, but that's the story they wanted to make, and that's the story that we ended up getting. But instead of like having a proper Dark Knight Returns movie, they had to make it a, a, a launching point for the cinematic universe just to be competitive with Marvel, which is sad in its own way. Um, because they've been trying to do this since Green Lantern back in 2011. So they, they try to pepper it with little Easter eggs throughout the movie. Like in um, uh, the, the abandoned train station, there's like a little question mark uh, that's supposed to be like the Riddler, I suppose. And then in the Batcave, you have the Robin suit hanging there, and it's spray-painted, and it goes, ha-ha, joke's on you, Batman. And it's like, that's a a whole sentence that the Joker spray-painted on a dead Robin's body. That's not an Easter egg. That's an Easter omelet. Yeah, oh, the, That's an Easter quiche. There's no subtlety no. in any of the, you know, what would purport to be Easter eggs in this. Yeah. You know, you know actually, Luthor. now that I'm thinking about it, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if the Batman cameo in Suicide Squad is a flashback of Batman chasing the Joker right after he killed Robin. I would not be the least bit surprised if that were the case. Continue. I'm sorry. We got you on the record for that now. Yeah. Um, you know, Lex Luthor has these uh, hidden files, military-grade uh, encryption files about 
other metahumans. And, and while he was at it, had a graphic designer whip up the little logo for each he guy. He made logos for him. He made logos for Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and The Flash. And Aquaman. Oh, yeah, him too. The, the <laughs> logo for Aquaman is apparently just uh, an A with the middle line missing. Well, that's... But um, it's also a spear. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Does Aquaman look stupid in the Justice League movie? Uh, just a second. I got to say this out loud. Aquaman, who, if you were to dehydrate him, would be fucking useless to you as a superhero... Is drinking whiskey out of the bottle. Am I the only one who sees something wrong with that picture? Am I the only one who says that that's just... That's not even just... That's not trying to make the hero cool and relevant to now. That's just making him an utter douchebag who has no regard for saving the world whatsoever. Well, that's what happens when Zack Snyder watches uh, an episode of Game of Thrones at 4 in the morning and is like... Man, I think this Cal Dragon guy is gonna be my new Aquaman. Cal Dragon. You know, you know that uh, CrossFit weight set that Affleck was working out with in the movie. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they were from Snyder's personal gym, the Psycho. Yeah, he probably wasn't happy with the uh, the equipment they were using at first. So, so Donna Justice is pretty much the story of how Lex Luthor got these funny little guys together. You know, it's like. Throughout the world, while this is happening right now, Barry Allen's being this weirdo kid played by Ezra Miller somewhere, who also looks equally awful in his own way. Um, Then we have Vic Stone, who is post-accident at Star Labs, and his father's trying to fix him, and they have a a mother box for some reason um, that puts him back together because uh, New 52 origin, that's his origin. And then we have Aquaman who's hiding out in a sunken ship, and he's like, Oh, like, you caught me! You busted me! Well, I'm out of here! Boom! Fr- screw this camera! I'm going fishing. And then we get the Wonder Woman... We get two things from Wonder Woman. We get this uh, a supplementary uh, promotional image for the film featuring Chris Pine and a couple other cast members from the upcoming film. And then we get the first hints of her theme song from Junkie XL, which is like that... I'm not doing that forever. But it, that's... It's not a bad thing. It doesn't no. fit in the movie, but it's not a bad thing. It, uh, it's very jarring. The first trailer that introduced Wonder Woman, they threw the Wonder Woman Junkie XL theme in there. And I'm like, what's a Junkie XL? <laughs> uh, but obviously, yeah, he's a Dutch guy who he makes... He a Mad Max Fury Road theme. And he did uh, Deadpool. As well, did he really? Yeah, hmm. um, I'm not saying he's a you know a bad musician or whatever, but uh, with all, when all paired sudden, with Hans Zimmer, yeah, all of a sudden when you have this you know amped up music, you know, uh, sporadically throughout this movie on top just, of the orchestral choir, it just feels like the trailer again. This and it's like you said, this movie feels like two and a half hour long trailer that makes no sense and. Uh, if only it was actually two and a half hours. A little longer than that. Um, the structure of the movie itself, um, the music of the film, the characterization in the film, it's all sour. It's all angry. It's all totally mismatched. But there are portions of it where you can see Zack Snyder trying to make a point with all of this. Like he bookends the film. With one of his favorite things in the world. 
the slow-mo spent bullet casing shot that bounces on the ground. He does this twice in the film. He does it at the beginning of the movie when Joe Chill kills the Kents, which I guess are now Negan and Maggie from The Walking Dead, which is weird, weird for geeks to see that. Because it takes you right out of the goddamn movie. You're like, oh, there's Negan and Maggie. Oh, I'm watching a Batman movie. I'm thinking about The Walking Dead right now. Just bad casting. And then, again, at the end of the film, when the cannon shoots at Superman's funeral and the giant spent casing drops to the ground. Like, he's trying to add, like, these majestic flourishes to it. But just like in Man of Steel, it just seems really heavy-handed and, 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 and obvious. And Which, pointless. Very pointless. It's a good way to put it. Um, but it's not like – I think he just wanted to film the funeral. I think he's he's got a hard-on for, like, you know – uh, badass dudes who die heroically and get bagpipe funerals because that's what Superman got. He got the uh, the sixteen gun salute and he got the cannons fired and he got the, the the blue angels flying overhead. He got the whole schmear. This is a country that was throwing shade at him since uh, Man of Steel. Got Charlie Rose on the television saying, must there be a Superman, which was surreal for me because I love Charlie Rose. And then you got Neil deGrasse Tyson, the man I also love, saying, well, he makes everyone else feel inferior. It's like it's that Lovecraftian bullshit again that Snyder just can't help but to shove into his movie where we are terrified of the black abyss that surrounds us. And once we find out that there's actually something else out there, we're not going to be prepared for it. We're going to buckle under. We're not going to unite. It's a depressing thing to think about, especially when you think about the fundamental conceit of this movie, which is superheroism, like magic in Game of Thrones, takes a toll. It has a cost. Like when you use blood magic in Game of Thrones, something has to die. Like when um, that uh, witch woman does uh, kills the, uh, no, 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 kills the horse over Drogo to bring him back. Oh, that one. In instead, uh, it kills her baby. Uh, uh, Danny's baby. Um, here in Donna Justice, whenever Superman saves somebody, someone else dies. And then he goes into the uh, mountains and he talks to his dead dad who gives him this dumbass anecdote, which should have came right out of Man of Steel. He goes, well, we stopped the flood, but it went down river and it drowned all these horses. I could still hear them in my sleep. And it's like, and then Superman says to Lois, he's like, no one could be good in this world. And he fucks off to go kill Batman. What is this movie? Uh, you know, I want to take things down a notch a little oh, bit after, more? You, after you did that. Uh, <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves with this movie is the fact that it so heavy-handedly tries to uh, ground itself in reality that we have to have, like you said, uh, Charlie Rose, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Nancy Grace, Nancy Grace, who ain't even on the air anymore, by the way, which dates this movie automatically. Soledad O'Brien. Yeah. Like we have to have real CNN. We have to have real journalism. And then, of course, they pepper in the douchebag from the first movie, the blogger who exposed. Oh, uh, Woodruff or whatever his name I don't, is. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. I always thought it was Jimmy Olds when I first saw Ben Steel, and I was like, oh wait, that's not his name. Too bad. Um, and they have, and that's the other thing that this movie does is it. Just peppers little things of like, oh, I remember her from Man of Steel. Yep. Oh, there's that guy from Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, they, oh, this guy is Jimmy Olsen, I guess. Nobody ever says it out loud. Yeah, that's funny um, because when I found out after the movie, um, MJ and I were taking an Uber home uh, all the way from Navy Pier. So we were, on, we were in the car for a minute uh, coming back and she was going online and, and like just – 
we were both not talking and she was just scrolling through Twitter and apparently Zack Snyder had said in an interview that day that the kid who gets shot out in the fake uh, <laughs> country of Nairobi or whatever it's called was actually Jimmy Olsen. CIA operative Jimmy Olsen, who gets shot in the brain. So as you said during the movie, Jimmy Olsen, I guess, ain't in the DC Universe anymore. And that brings me to what I want to talk about next. Superman. Mm. In this movie. I'll tell you what. Superman in this movie, uh, to paraphrase Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, Mm. looks like a bitch. He, Superman... Of whom I am very fond is a non-entity in this movie. He is there to do one thing: die. That's it. And pout. And pout. It is only in death that Batman pulls his head out of his ass, decides that he's not going to brand villains anymore. Which the fuck is he? He got a bat branding iron in his utility belt. What does he do? He go. Hold on a second. It takes a minute to heat up. You better not move. I'll make it worse. It's uh, it's like crafting with Batman. I got a hot glue gun. It's going to take a second. I need it. It has to warm up or it won't melt properly. <laughs> I don't want to ruin another decorative vest. There are so many instances where, and this takes me back to what I was talking about earlier, about anticipation versus expectation. And when I first saw this movie and Superman flies to the country to save Lois Lane... Um, he, what's he do? He puts the terrorist through a brick wall, uh, several brick walls. There's no way that guy's living. There's just no fucking way. He wasn't protecting him as he took him through the, no, he just threw him through a wall. And I'm thinking to myself, how many times have I seen Superman at a, 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 a face-off with a guy with a gun on, on a hostage? How many times in my life have I seen that? Hundreds of times. Animated series, movies, the comic books, ad infinitum. And you know how many times, 90%, no, 98% of the time he's resolved the issue? Take a guess. Does he stop a bullet? Or does he grab a gun? No. What does he do? Heat vision. And you know what's funny to me? Zack Snyder doesn't bother with any of the other Superman powers. No heat, uh, no no freeze breath, no x-ray vision, no telescopic vision, no, sometimes super hearing. Every once in a while. He had the super hearing when they were at the, uh. The gala, but yeah. But he always uses the heat vision. He's It's almost pornographic how often Superman is seen with red glowing eyes in these two movies. And uh, the only time he doesn't use it is the time that he needs to use it the most, mm-hmm. which is when he's uh, facing off against an alien with the same power. He should have used that right away. There are a million things, and this is bringing me back to my point. He could have used this heat vision to superheat the gun in the terrorist's hand. Yep. He goes, oh, ouchie. And then Superman zooms in, separates the two, flicks him on the nose, and knocks the guy out. There are a million things that Superman can do to be heroic. It, and it's not like, she's the woman I love, how could you? Like when Luthor throws her off the roof. Of course Superman's gonna save her. He listens to her heartbeat anywhere she is in the world. If it starts getting weird, he's there. He knows he's going to be there. I know he's going to be there. She knows he's going to be there. He's Luthor definitely, knew he was going to be there. He's definitely keeping better tabs on her than his mom. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. So what does he say to Luther? He is, I'm going to take you in without breaking you. And it's like, you're not Superman. You don't say shit like that. 
there's if there is no contrast between Batman and Superman, why are they fighting? Stay down. If I wanted you dead, you'd be dead already. Batman is comically evil in this movie. Like he, and having him just shoot people both in his psychotic dreams, which he has way too many of. Oh, he's just straight tripping on acid. He's a nutcase in this movie, which is fine if that's the Batman you want. I don't care. People are psychopaths when it comes to Batman. I don't give a shit. When it comes to Superman, if you don't have the contrast between the psycho guy who kills people with guns on his Batmobile versus the dude who flies in the sky and saves kittens out of trees, which I guess did happen because Bruce Wayne says such <laughs> to Clark Kent uh, during that really stupid dinner gala where Luther is like, ah, oh, there's Bruce and Clark, as if Luther would care who Clark is unless he knew he was actually Superman. Which he did. Which he did. Boys! Mm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow. That is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. In order for Superman to function at all, he has to have a contrast to, the, to Batman. They are the flip side of the same coin. Superman is optimistic. He is supposed to give us hope. Even in Superman Returns, as bleak and dreary and kind of weird as it was, he was still Superman. When he rescued that plane... In the middle of that baseball field, everyone was stoked on him being there. They're like, where have you been? We love you. We forgive you. All is forgiving. We love you. And Donna Justice, everyone's like, ooh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. And it's like they built the statue in the middle of the, the carnage of uh, Man of Steel. And I remember you saying, I have to be so big. Well, when Superman died in the comics, you should have seen the size of his statue in the middle of Millennium Park. And there's the biggest contrast I could find. Is that in the comic books, if Superman dies, he earns that funeral. When he dies, people are sad to see him go. In the movie, they're only sad to see him go because movie. It's not an earned moment. He is not a person that they respect or even trust. Look at the scene when they're at Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah. When Scoot Scoot. Everyone's got their... Uh goofy signs that you know mm -hmm. it's like the westboro baptist church yeah. protesting superman yeah oh. oh god like god hates aliens yeah. or something like that and it's like <sighs> so scoot scoot and his little uh, scooter explodes <laughs> and kills everyone and superman says later he's like i didn't hear it because i wasn't looking for it i'm like then what are you are you a hero are you what if there was like some shit going on in china like uh, a nuclear reactor was melting and you, people were screaming and we we're going to uh, there was going to be an explosion imminently. How would you have known about that unless you weren't if your senses weren't up there? If no. you're not listening to the things that are happening in the room that you're standing in, how are you supposed to be the hero that the world needs? This movie proves that this Superman only knows to go do something that isn't Lois related if it's on the news. Mm -hmm. on a TV, mm -hmm. right in front of him, yeah. when he's like, oh, shit, I gotta go. All right. Um, so what happens? It explodes. And he doesn't stay to find survivors in the wreckage. He doesn't stay to make sure that everyone's okay. He doesn't stay to make sure that Lois is okay. He just fucks off. He just, oh, wow, that was a oh, bummer. Uh-oh. Uh oh, they're probably going to blame this one on me too, but I know it wasn't me. And now I'm not even going to mention the jar of piss that was in Capitol Hill in this movie. We're not Grant, even going to discuss it. Granny's peach tea. Oh. Uh, here's my, my thing about uh, Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah. Um, 
and Perry White being an idiot. <laughs> uh, that Clark Kent doesn't deserve a job. No, he didn't deserve it at the end of Man of Steel. They just gave him a job because movie. Yeah, well, and then also Perry White at some point says, "Kent, you're on sports today." That's not how newspaper works. <laughs> it does if he's a shitty reporter and he's just struggling you're to just, find something for him to do. You're just on sports all the time. It's like, uh, if Lois didn't love you, I would have fired your ass months ago. Clark, you're... And that's the thing is, he's he's even bad at his job. He's at the, the Luthor Gala and Wayne pulls up. Bruce fucking Wayne! And he goes, who's that? 18 months! He's been on the, on the Daily Planet beat. He's been on the Daily Planet beat for 18 months. That's a long fucking time to know who Bruce Wayne is. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's going to Russian fight clubs and hanging out with women and getting loaded. He's out there, so he's at least on the society page. And his building was the one that you direct you directly destroyed. To, to be fair, that was one of several that went down. Yeah, but at and, least fourteen of them. But you know, afterward, like somebody was like listing out the you know the names of everybody, and, mm-hmm. and it's like. There's no way he doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is. There's no way that uh, a real newspaper boss would be like, no, don't cover this, what sounds important. <laughs> Go sports. You know what sucks is I really do love Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. Yeah. I love him as Perry White. I think he's awesome. It's just another idyllic piece of casting that is just mu- mired under this mountain of garbage. Because insofar as Superman supporting cast is concerned... Amy Adams is fine as Lois Lane. I've gotten over her blasphemous red locks. I've gotten over it. She's fine. Ah. I know you're not pumped. I'm not exactly pumped either, but Academy Award, uh, I think, nominee? Yeah, she's nominee. Is she a winner? She I'm pretty for? sure she won. For what? It doesn't matter. I guess. To have her as Lois Lane, fine. Perry White, Lawrence Fishburne, great. Excellent. Um, that dude from House of Cards is Steve Lombard. Fine. It's not really what Steve Lombard looks like. I don't give a shit. No, he wasn't in this movie. No Cat Grant, because whatever. No Ron Troop, because whatever. Jimmy Olsen's a CIA operative, because whatever. So they aren't, they're not really interested in fleshing out the mythos of Superman in this movie. It's the same characters, but less. And also, uh, Jesse Eisenberg as the worst Lex Luthor ever. This has to be his worst performance, and he's... I remember this movie that came out years ago that I was really in love with for a while until I watched it again recently. And I just think it's... What movie? Roger Dodger, mm-hmm. starring Campbell Scott. And I think it was one of the first that Eisenberg had done. Um, it was his breakout role. Yeah. And uh, I was right there with you with that movie. Yeah. It was, it was good when I was young and I was about Jesse Eisenberg's age and trying to figure out what it meant to date, what it was to be a guy in the city, you know, all that shit. But... When you get older and you look back on it, it's pretty juvenile. But it's fine because Eisenberg was good in it. He he played the role of a young, awkward kid really well. And that's been his shtick for a long time, to be the awkward guy, to be the person that's kind of on edge because he's nervous all the time. That's what made his performance in The Social Network so damn compelling. And that- then Zack Snyder saw The Social Network and was like, that's – that's a Lex Luthor for a new generation. I heard his argument, too, actually. He reads his Superman comics, or at least 90s Superman comics. He said, he said, DC contemporized Lex Luthor for the 80s. And then at the 80s, the big villain was Wall Street. So he made him a uh, D- 
DC made him a tycoon, a baron of Wall Street, and it's that's true. That's exactly what they did. So it, we were going to make a Lex Luthor for the 21st century, uh, a Silicon Valley mogul. So I guess the Luthor, his father, it was the Luthor that I would have expected to see. Like if you'd had Mark Strong be Lex Luthor, who would have been awesome, by the way, uh, that's the Luthor I would have expected. Instead, we got a post-social network Jesse Eisenberg kind of floating on that performance to get this job because Snyder just sees things, doesn't contextualize them at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't see the social network and hired him just based on uh, Now You See Me. Well, it's like, I think Lex Luthor would be a really good uh, showman, magician. A, ma- a munchish. A man, a man uh, who's a master of sleight of hand. He can't even give a speech. Like he, he starts jittering and shaking, and people are like, "Hi, Pisa, so it's clapped now." You know, the whole part, the whole Superman function of this movie doesn't exist very well, and that's the thing that hurts me the most. Is that I got to watch Superman die again for nothing, nothing, because you know he's going to be back. And don't you know we we don't have enough time to go through the you know Flash cameo with the you know the dream within a dream like you know bat inception and all that a lot of stuff in this movie just doesn't make sense and in general this is just not an enjoyable movie it's worse upon its second viewing people told me it gets better it makes more sense but it doesn't it makes less sense because the first time it's just this orgy of images in your face and then the next time you're trying to put it together but it can't just because something makes sense literally doesn't mean it makes sense conceptually. I would love to see Steven Soderbergh do an edit on this thing. Ugh. Wouldn't that be something? That would be weird. That guy can do wonders in the editing room. I would be very interested in seeing that. Uh, I would like to see uh, Steven Soderbergh uh, challenge Zack Snyder to a fight in Fight Club. <laughs> uh, in, a, in you know Ben Affleck's basement. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like Zack Snyder would probably win because he's juiced up on the roids. Yeah, he's got him. No one stays good in this world. All right, so I've got a question for you, Jared, Mm -hmm. as we're wrapping things up. What do you think DC could do with a movie that could save this entire debacle? Well, I'm really hoping that Wonder Woman is it. I am going to continue to hold out hope that Wonder Woman is it. But there are still a lot of movies coming out after Wonder Woman that aren't even... I mean, they're just in pre-production, and they got a lot of work left to do. While that's happening, the DC television universe is expanding its universe exponentially. Like, it's insane. We've got four shows coming out in a couple of weeks. Like, or in about eight weeks. It's insane. We've got The Flash, Arrow, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and then now Supergirl featuring Superman... Like, all coming out in your face all week long, and it's only going to get bigger. And they're dealing with multiverses. I want Ezra Miller out. I want him the fuck out. He looks terrible in Justice League. And they're... I'm really trying to give this kid the benefit of the doubt, because I don't know him, but he just doesn't smack of superhero dumb. He doesn't. Even, like, in a weird, vague super way, like, by James Gunn. Like, it just doesn't click in my head. Gustin, Grant Gustin, is the Flash. And if they could figure out some way, because this season they're doing Flashpoint, so everything's kind of up in the air in the multiverse. Like, everything could collapse or get started again. 
or they can open up a new breach into the cinematic universe and adjust things from there, just like DC did with the New 52. They just zipped up things, knocked out shit that didn't work, kept some shit that kept uh, that did work. Put Grant Gustin in the cinematic universe Justice League. Give Grant Gustin and the entire cast of The Flash a feature-length film. That's the movie that would bring in everybody. On the same page, everyone would get pumped about it. There would be no tears shed for Ezra Miller. It would be a movie that would get folks who love the TV universe, folks who love the comic books, people who pay attention to legacy and want to see these things as connected as the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually is right now this minute. This is the way that DC could do it if they would just pull their heads out of their ass and make it so. Uh, I can't say I disagree. And I'd say the only thing that I would add is uh, if it were actually humanly possible for them to scrap absolutely everything that they've got planned and start over oh, again. But then we get then Gal Gadot's gone. And I like her. I want Wonder Woman to work. And I don't hate Ben Affleck as Batman. I don't I'm hate looking it. forward to the Ben Affleck Batman movie. I'm on board. I'm Team Batfleck. Yeah, absolutely. Hashtag that shit. Who knew? at the end of everything, that that would be the high point. Not me. Martha, why did you say that name? Stop! Please, stop! Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. It's his mother's name. People, let me tell you about my best friend. He's a warm-hearted person who loves me till the end. And that's all we have for this week. Thank you for listening to us. We're so sorry it was a bummer. Next week has to be a better one, Mr. Bird. I sure hope so. It's going to be, I promise. And you'll be able to listen to that episode right here at DoomRocket.com. In the meantime, please look us up on social media. We are at DoomRocket underscore on all major outlets. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. At Twitter, you can find me at Jared Jones underscore Mr. Bird. What is your handle? I am at BirdMoney. Thank you for listening to our pre-Justice League post-Dawn of Justice diatribe. We love you for listening. We will see you next time. And from all of us at DoomRocket.com. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Yeah.